Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dreamers Succeed podcast. I'm coming to you today from sunny South Florida. We've had a couple of beautiful days outside weather-wise, but we cannot ignore the fact that we are living some very turbulent and uncertain times with all this coronavirus talk out there. For those of you who are able to live in optimism and look at the opportunities and all the silver linings that tend to come when there's a catastrophe like this, good for you. And I pray that you are finding ways to continue to do that and to spread that message to others. And for those of you who might be sensing a tremendous sense of fear Uh, during these times. I'm, I'm not blaming you for it, but I want you to understand that this too shall pass. This is again a great opportunity for us to exercise faith, for us to exercise support and encouragement for one another, and for us to find ways to look for the helpers, as um, Mr. Rogers' mom would say. There's a lot of really, really great things going on out there. Today, I want to talk to you about lessons that I learned from a Cessna 172 during my private pilot's training. Now, these are lessons that apply today because they're, they're lessons in control, lessons in recovery time, and lessons in being able to set yourselves up to navigate when there's a little bit of turbulence. So I'm going to share three stories with you that I think will help paint a clearer picture. Now, as you know, obviously by now, it's a solo cast today. I don't have any guests in here with me, and I have some great podcasts lined up for the next few weeks. But today I'm going to just talk to you uh, myself about some of these things that are going on. Now, when I was first learning how to fly, when I was about 20-something hours in, maybe close to 30s hours in, it was getting close to that time when it was time for me to solo. And for those of you who do not know, solo is when you take the plane by yourself, you have to take it up and you have to land it and no one else is in the plane with you to tell you what to do or how to do it. It, it is a rite of passage for pilots when you do that first solo flight. And it's something that we all look forward to with a little bit of apprehension and, and anxiety, but something that is extremely exhilarating once you're on the other side of it. Now, as we prepared to get me ready for that first solo flight, I remember that I was with my instructor, Dave, and we were out in Tamiami and we were just doing touch and goes. And touch and goes are nothing more than you take the plane up, you do, you stay in the pattern at about a thousand feet in the air, and then you come in, you do a landing, and as soon as you touch the ground, you rev it up again and, and go back up. And all you're doing really is practicing those landings in the touch and goes. Now, on this particular day, We had done about three landings and my landings were, were landings. They weren't the smoothest landings, but, you know, they're used to it, I guess, when, when they're training uh, newbies like I was then. And on this particular landing, I noticed that Dave, instead of looking out into the runway, out of my peripheral vision, I could see that he was looking at me which made me extremely nervous. But I went in, did my landing and went back up. And when I went back up, Dave said, just get in the pattern and we're going to go around again. And just as I was getting ready 
to set up my landing, my next landing, he said, I want you to go in with holding the yoke with just your two fingers, your index finger and your thumb on each side. And I thought, man, are you crazy? And he said, trust me on this. Just go in there like this and we're going to see what happens. And I did just as he said, and it was the smoothest landing that I had ever done in, in all of my training. So I landed, I touched, I came back up and he said, what, what is happening? I noticed is that when you would come in, you were white knuckling. And I've shared this story before. I was white knuckling the yoke as much as I could, trying to control that landing as much as I possibly could. I thought that by having a firm grip on that yoke, I was going to be able to have more control. And what Dave said was that actually is working against you. Because by you trying to have so much control of the yoke, you are not allowing the plane to do what it naturally does to assist in the landing. And that's why, yes, you're landing, and any landing is a good landing, but they're not as smooth as this one that you just experienced. And it was a great lesson for me in the way that we try to control things, you know, and I've, and I've used this analogy before on how we try to control the how. We all know what we want to do and we know why we want to do it. But when we start controlling that how, things sometimes don't work out the way that we anticipated. And then it's very easy for us to get discouraged. Now, in the times that we're facing right now, I think one of the things that is causing the most anxiety is the lack of control that we have. We're hearing things in the media. You know, our our state and government officials are just trying to guess what's the next best thing to do. And we're sort of at the mercy of whatever we're hearing in the news, of whatever decisions they are making. Even this thing today was a big, big talk about the stimulus package. And, and I think for a lot of people... This lack of control is really causing uneasiness. We don't know if our if our jobs are going to tell us, you know, don't come back or stay and work from home remotely. Things just are changing every day. Now, we can control what the government is doing, what is happening around the world, what information they're giving us, true or not, um, and, and what our jobs, what the schools, our children's schools are doing. We can't control any of that. But what we can control is how we are reacting to it. So I want you to try to focus on what is important, what can you control, and what kind of attitude can you have around the things that are happening. I have found that most of the people that I'm speaking to that are using this time to be of service to others are finding very, very little anxiety in their lives right now. I'll give you an example of my daughter. She heard that there was a shortage of masks and there were nurses and, and she kept seeing it on social media and on Facebook that there were healthcare professionals that can't get access to masks and they're using whatever they can just to try to protect themselves. And she decided to go to the fabric store and just start creating. There was a great um, video that shows how to make a mask if they're 100% cotton. It's what's recommended by the CDC. And she just went out and started buying fabric and, and elastic and creating these beautiful masks that people can use and just put out a, a, 
a notification and said, listen, I'm making 40 masks. If you know anyone who needs it, let me know. Send me their address and I'll drop it in their mailbox. So people kept asking her, well, how much are they? She says, no, they're free. And and people started asking her from Washington State, where she lived before, and, and people from everywhere. And she's going and she's mailing them out. She's not charging anybody anything. But there's been so much excitement around her ability to be able to make these masks for people who need them that she's had to go out and buy fabric four times already which is great. It's keeping her busy. She's playing on her sewing machine. My mother is very happy in heaven. Uh, She taught Chloe how to sew. So a lot of good has come from this. And she is very optimistic. You talk to her and she's, she's, she's knowing that this is, that this too shall pass. And she's realizing that this is an opportunity for her to serve. And most of the people, again, that I'm speaking to that are not operating from a place of fear, are doing just that. They're finding ways to serve. They're going to their local uh, food banks who may not have as many people willing to volunteer but still need the help, particularly to help uh, feed those children that might not be getting that that one or two meals that they were getting in school before. They're finding ways to serve in their community and that's really warding off a lot of the anxiety because it gives them control to a certain extent of what they can do. I can help and I can control that and that's where I'm going to focus my energy. Okay? So that's an important thing as we navigate these waters, folks, that we need to to look for what we can control and not worry so much about what we can control. Okay? We need to look for ways to find those silver linings. I just posted a blog yesterday on, on just that, there's a lot of good going on out there, a lot of, of what's so beautiful about humanity. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was our time to recover. As many of you have heard me say over the last couple of weeks, we have been blessed with more time to do things that we always complain that we don't have time for than ever. We're forced to be at home, many of us. Uh, Our children are home now doing virtual school, so we're forced to be home there too. Our jobs don't want us going in and, and maybe potentially contaminating anyone. So we're forced to be home. It gives us more time. We're not sitting in traffic. We're not going out and doing those things that we used to do to distract ourselves. So what are you doing with this time to make the most of it? Now, I remember another one of the big things that we have to learn when we're getting our, our, our pilot's license is the need to recover from a stall. Now, what a stall means is when you're in a plane and the angle of attack, which is the pitch that the front of the plane is at, if it's too high, particularly for, it's for any plane, but particularly in these little Cessnas, it's very easy to feel you, the plane stalls. And that just means that you feel it. And and I've been in a plane that has stalled on purpose and, and the plane sort of just starts to fall out of the sky. The engines turn off and there's a process that you need to do to be able to recover from that stall so that that stall where it's going like this doesn't turn into a spin, which then becomes very difficult to control. So my first day out with Dave, and Dave was my second instructor because the first instructor that I had got a job and and couldn't, uh, you know, give me my flight instruction at the time that was convenient for me. 
So the first time that I'm out with Dave, I'd already had about eight or 10 hours behind behind the yoke. He takes me out into the practice area and he says, we're going to practice a stall. And I sort of suspected because he he kept, we kept climbing in altitude. We were at two or 3,000 feet and, and I'm freaking out. And he says, yeah, you have to learn it anyway. And he stalls the plane. And then his job was to teach me what I had to do hands-on to be able to recover from that stall. Now, what is interesting is that usually we're in our flight plan and we're practicing and we, we stayed, you know, around a thousand feet when you're in the pattern, which is what they suggest, at least at this airport. Um, but you can't do a recovery from a stall or a, they can do it if they're experienced, but you would never practice with a trainee recovering from a stall without with that short of a distance. So at 3,000 feet, there was plenty of time for us to do the maneuvers and recover from that stall and gain control of the plane. But at 1,000 feet, you have less room for error. So it's, again, the plane starts falling out of the sky. By the time you know it, if you can't recover in time, you're at the ground. And what I've noticed with all of this is that, listen, people, we are going to recover from what is happening. We've been there, not not to this degree where it's such a global thing, not in, not in my lifetime, certainly, have we experienced something that is just happening everywhere in the world with so much uncertainty, with so much of, you know, the people that we rely on that should know just don't know because there's no there's no pattern for this there's no nothing we can use as a as a base for this but what this what this has provided at least if you're paying attention is ways that we can recover not only ways that what is going to happen once we recover but how do we program ourselves so that the process of recovery is easier. And again, that looks different for everyone, but I I want that if you are not already paying attention to that, pay attention for the little lessons that are here. What do we need to do differently? And I believe that the world is going to be different after this. You know, we always say that. We said that after 9-11 and, and that lasted for a little bit and then people sort of settled back into, into normal life which is the prayer. I know we will settle into, into normalcy. It's just that what is that normalcy going to look like after all of this? The things that we're being hypersensitive to now, are we going to remember in a couple of years? So I want you to be paying attention to those little subtleties. And what do we need to do differently so that we, don't ha we have enough room to recover next time? I'm not talking about hoarding toilet paper and things that we took for granted and holy crap, how is there no Clorox anywhere? I'm talking about the things that are important. And again, that's going to look different for everyone, but I want you to be paying attention to those. I want you, if you can, to be journaling about those things that are standing out now that we may have either been too busy or taken things too for granted in a month ago to be to be paying attention to the importance of them, okay? And that really is going to bring, again, another sense of security, internal at least, with, with what kind of actions we're taking to take control 
and to really help ourselves recover from something like this. And hopefully there will never be something like this again, but you never know. And again, we just, we just change a little bit when, we, when we're faced with something like this. Okay. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about was uh, the, the trim tab. Okay, now the trim tab on a Cessna 182 at least and a 180, uh, 172 and a 182 is a little is a little dial that it's it's sitting right at the bottom of the controls of these planes, and with this little dial you can adjust the pitch of the the nose of the plane. Now, if you trim it down, that means that you know you're sometimes you're fighting with the yoke of the plane. And it's and the trim is is too high, so you have to fight with the yoke to keep it level, so that you don't you're not climbing. And other times, the pitch is on a downward turn, which means you're losing altitude and you're fighting with the yoke to be able to keep that plane at a certain altitude. What the trim tab tab does is it helps you adjust that pitch slightly, so that you don't have to fight so much with that yoke to keep the plane where it needs to be. Now, I have my my dear um, gynecologist and, and obstetrician who delivered both of my children uh, many, many, many years ago, who passed on a couple of years ago, Dr. Chambliss. He was uh, an avid pilot as well. So every time that we would go in to, that I would go in for my yearly checkups, we, you know, do the ugly for 15 minutes and then the rest of the time we'd be talking talking shop about planes and how I was doing with my training. And I remember he would always say, listen, the trick to flying is to trim the tab so that the plane practically flies itself. I want to invite you to look at, really look at what is happening today, what we're going through how we're prioritizing things that, again, sometimes we may have taken for granted uh, being able to sit with with a, a friend or someone at a Starbucks. I did that many times in, in any given week and loved every minute of it. But now I'm thinking, crap, I can't even go to Starbucks. I can drive through Starbucks, but I don't do Starbucks for the coffee. I do Starbucks for the community. So... A lot of those little things, I want you to, to pay attention to them and then pay attention to what may have been missing in the past that is contributing to a little bit of that anxiety. And I want you to, again, journal about that. And I want you on the other side to look at what you can do differently so that you are adjusting the sails, if you will, or trimming that tab to make sure that things down the line, if there's ever anything in a situation similar to this, that it, it doesn't cause such a disparity like it's causing for so many people now, which again, I think is responsible for so many of the the issues that we're having. You know, people that may not have savings or people that may have been living paycheck to paycheck or people that may be in situations, listen, people may have had savings and, and retirement and living off of their retirement and they've seen their retirements dwindle because of this stock market um, issue that, that has happened with this, with this coronavirus. Just little things that we can look at differently so that we can make sure that 
if something happens like that in the future, maybe we'll have to look at not having all our eggs in one basket. Maybe we'll have to look at being having a little more of a foundation, having a little more of a of a of a cushion so that we're not creating so much anxiety because the truth is people forget about a virus it could be anything anyone can can lose their job or anyone can can have an illness that's going to put them out for a few months how are we going to be prepared for that in the future and those are the things that really this opportunity of time this opportunity of of everybody being on the same boat Yes, we need to be there and support each other, but we need to look at the individuality of our situation and see what we can do differently so that if something like this happens down the line, we are better prepared or prepared enough that we're not living in anxiety or living in fear or giving into the unknown. Because again, it's not that you can control everything, but you should be able to at least control what you can control. Okay, so that's my two cents for today, people. Uh, again, I know we're not supposed to go outside, uh, but I've been walking outside. Gyms are closed and, and it's it's just we've had some beautiful days. So be kind to each other. I love that these issues, I won't call it a catastrophe, but these issues tend to really bring out the best in humanity. And if you know someone who is sort of operating from a place of fear, just offer some encouragement, uh, be a stand for for the optimism that exists out there and look on the bright side. Now more than ever, uh, look on the bright side. So go play outside if you're allowed to. Uh, be great and, 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 and just do good to others, okay? Have fun. 